Hello and welcome to Region Ahead, a podcast from SEMCOG, the Southeast Michigan Council of Governments. I'm Trevor Layton, and on this episode, we bring you two conversations, one with Detroit City Council President Brenda Jones, and the other with Canton Township Supervisor Pat Williams. In addition to her role on Detroit City Council, Brenda Jones is the first vice chairperson of SEMCOG. Pat Williams is the chairperson of SEMCOG's Transportation Coordinating Council. Each year, SEMCOG awards a unique opportunity called the Taubman Fellowship to a pair of local elected officials from Southeast Michigan. In 2019, those two fellowships went to Brenda and Pat. A key part of SEMCOG's mission is to promote local government effectiveness. One of the ways we do that is by providing learning opportunities for local leaders. With the support of the Taubman Company, SEMCOG has for two decades been sending individuals to Harvard University's Program for Senior Executives in State and Local Government at the John F. Kennedy School of Government. This program at Harvard improves leadership skills and increases awareness of effective approaches to public sector issues. Applicants bring their senior level experience to the program, where they join leaders from all over the United States to expand their knowledge and grow their leadership abilities. Amy O'Leary, Deputy Executive Director of SEMCOG, also joined us for these discussions. In addition to the Taubman Fellows, SEMCOG sent Amy to the Kennedy School this summer. Here's the conversation I had with Brenda Jones, Detroit City Council President, and Amy O'Leary, Deputy Executive Director of SEMCOG. Now we have joining us uh, Detroit Council President Brenda Jones. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having me, and thank you for allowing me to talk about the awesome experience that I had at Harvard that SEMCOG gave me an opportunity to go to. It was awesome. Before we do that, I want to dive into a little bit more of your leadership background um, and what led up to the point of being selected for Harvard's JFK program for senior executives. So in your recollection, President Jones, where did your interest in, in being a leader start? Well, you know, I, I believe I've been a leader for a while. Um, in my other career, I was a union president. And then, um, so, you know, having many um, members, you have to be a leader doing that. And then coming to city council, when I first came to city council, I don't know if I felt much like a leader being there with people who had a lot of experience and having no experience and actually when I first came to city council everyone thought that I was too quiet to be on council and after being on council for a while and watching some of the things that I've seen I decided that I wanted to take leadership over Detroit City Council and then actually becoming the president of Detroit City Council and um it's been an interesting journey. Again, for a little bit more context of where you're coming from, how, how you see the roles and responsibilities and opportunities of a city council president to really help guide the city forward. Relationships, I think, is so very important. And having the right relationships with the right people. Um, and you never know who you're going to need. You never know who you're going to learn something from. And relationship building is so important, I believe, as being an at-large council member and as well as being a um, president 
of the Detroit City Council and even having relationships with a good relationship with the mayor, whether or not you agree or disagree, having that relationship to be able to sit down and talk about whatever the situation is. So what drew your attention to the Kennedy School program at Harvard? How did you hear about it? How did you think that actually separating yourself from that day-to-day relationship building that you're doing here in the city and, you know, moving over uh, for for several weeks to to go out to Harvard and and learn, you know, how other people are are approaching leadership? How did you think that that, um, you know, would be something that would benefit you moving forward? So one of the good things about the Harvard Kennedy School was having people from everywhere and being able to learn um, some of the things that they do in their municipalities, being able to network and talk to them, and actually having having a session basically on relationships and talking about how important relationships were at the Harvard Kennedy School helped me grow a lot and being able to be away from the everyday um, friction of what happens in the city of Detroit and stepping away from it and seeing how other people relate was an awesome experience. And I was going to add that I think Harvard, in some ways, it just reinforced a lot of the leadership skills that we have started to build over the years and some of the experiences we had. You learn that the importance of relationships, for example, as Councilwoman said, but at the same time, you just were able to put it into practice more, which I think uh, was helpful for all of us. So I had a situation just actually occur at home in my own council body where it was some tension that was built up with council members. Um, And I had to take on the leadership role of being able to talk to one of the council members about the tension that had built up. And I had to think about some of the things that I learned at Harvard um, when it came to being a leader. And because oftentimes you take things personal yourself and you have to take your person out of it. And that was one of the things that we talked about was in, in leadership, it's not about the person. It's not about the person at all. Um, it's about the behavior. And I had to look at the behavior and then wonder if, even though I was the leader, I also was a part of the situation that was going on. And if I needed to actually pull someone else in to actually observe and see what was going on. And a lot of times when you're a leader, it's hard for you to step aside and let someone else step in. And I had to, again, remove myself and let someone else step in and deal with the behavior aspect of it. And that was something that Harvard taught me. Um, and, And it was awesome. Yeah, I think some of the nuggets that you mentioned are things that we talked about. One is separating yourself from the role that you have within the organization and not losing who you are in the, you know, in the process. 
Um, so that's really an important part of what we talked about at Harvard as well. So is there anything that you learned about how to identify when to be more hands-on and when to more trust the people that you're working with? One of the um, quotes that were talked about at Harvard um, came from some books that we read. And I found one really helpful about delegating was it talked about managing one's grandiosity means giving up the idea of being the heroic lone warrior, that people may beg you to take on that role, but don't let them seduce you into that. It robs them of the opportunity to develop their own strengths and setting their own issues. Don't begin to believe that the problem is yours alone to carry and solve, which I think is just what you were talking about. Um, there may be times when it's actually easier for us to jump in as the leaders, but it's not always the right thing to do. So that you need to figure out when is the right time to lead and when is the right time to let others take that lead. The other thing that we talked about at Harvard that was helpful was hearing that skillful leadership brings people along with you. And the idea that you can have all kinds of ideas, and they may be great ideas, but either the idea isn't ripe with other people, and you need to bring everyone along with you. And then the other one of the other things was the scope of authority, using the scope of authority in um, getting people's attention to something that they would prefer to avoid, and how important that is in leading. Um, and having the authority and the difference in authority versus leadership. And I thought that was something that was extremely interesting in how authority can be protection and direction and order, but leadership um, challenges all of those things. And you know, you have to step back sometimes and think about situations that you yourself have been in and see how that weighs itself out. And again, it was just so much that, you, you know, you, you, you learn at Harvard, you think you know it. And then when you step back and you look at some of the things that they talk about and you put it all together, it, it really makes you a better person. And it, it may seem counterintuitive, but when they talked about authority, they said sometimes the hardest to be a leader is those that are in authority because they already have this certain responsibility and the way people look at you and listen to you, um, it's a challenge then because a leader is somebody who looks and will sometimes go a little beyond their scope of authority and be able to push things forward when the when when it's not always known how it's going to end and those are very challenging it's almost easier they were saying which does make sense at times it's almost easier for leadership to come from those that aren't in high levels of authority they have maybe less to lose and in how people in authority often doesn't exercise leadership um, sometimes you have authority and you don't exercise leadership. And just yesterday, one of my staff members said something to me that was very interesting. And she said, "As I see you as a leader because a leader takes responsibility for sometimes even what their staff does. They don't just throw their staff out there to hang. They take responsibility and carry on that responsibility um, of, you know, you don't save 
the staff didn't do it, but you take responsibility for it and don't just leave that staff person out there to hang. And um, she gave me a lot of good examples of situations that had occurred in my office. And I started thinking back and, um, you know, thinking about how exercising leadership really is observation and interpretation and also intervention because even when you don't leave that person out there to hang sometimes you have to be the person that is doing the intervention portion of exactly what's going on and that is truly exercising leadership and those were some of the things that I learned in Harvard. Okay and if we could go back for a moment to the idea of the importance of relationships and particularly long lasting relationships, I was wondering if there was, um, if there were any instances in the course of the program where there was the topic of trying to balance the importance of achieving a short term goal, um, versus making um, an investment in a relationship. So there are opportunities, I would imagine, when you're in a position of authority to, to get something across the finish line. Um, but and, you know, as Amy mentioned before, you might not be bringing everyone along with you. You might just be getting there and you know, trying to figure out, okay, is it worth it to get there if I'm sacrificing this relationship and, and how you are able to sort of do that calculation in the moment and, and weigh those priorities. I do think that's where Harvard challenges you, though, because I think a lot of us think that way, and we know we don't want to sacrifice the relationships that we're building, and we're always balancing those things. But they had us do some reading, looking at leaders in New York, for example, where he went way beyond what you would think was the right thing and broke relationships and did whatever he needed to do to meet his mission. So there was a lot of questions about what's your primary goal? Meeting your mission or having these relationships? And so it made you rethink. It's not always a black and white, easy to answer question when you're out there trying to get something accomplished. Um, so constantly challenged with what the case examples that they brought up to make you think through because a lot of us thought exactly how you thought and we still largely think you don't want to compromise relationships but there are times where the goal or the mission is so important you might need to balance it the other way and sometimes one of the other things that um, was very important is sometimes you think you might be compromising a relationship that you thought was a relationship, but you have to pay attention to what a person um, does as opposed to what a person says. And sometimes a person says things and you think that there's a relationship, but as you are doing things as a leader and even um, moving up the ladder, you pay attention to what that person does, not what they have said. So I think we'll, we'll wrap up soon. There was um, kind of another side of the coin I was, I was hoping to ask. I think that 
you know, Southeast Michigan and, and the city of Detroit, um, you know, this is a place that people from around the country and people from around the world know about. This is a place that um, people have ideas about about what goes on here and what uh, our history is and, and what our future might look like. So I guess my question is, you know, in your experiences working in these groups, um, did you feel like you were doing any um, education of other people about what this region is about and what this city is about? Most definitely, most definitely. Um, it was a lot of people who had never even been to this region or this city. And so finding that there were a lot of people who had read things in magazines, read things in the books, um, read things in newspapers, and some of the things that they, um, you know, just even talking about um, transportation and some of the challenges that we've had in our region with transportation, um, regional transportation, and talking to other the other people that were in Harvard and trying to find ways that will help this region gain what we need to gain for regional transportation. And so it was a lot of education going on on both sides, even outside of the classroom. And, and, and that was what was so important. And they encouraged the networking, the after networking. And, and you wondered, I often wondered, how do you network? Because we had so much reading to do. How do you do outside networking and talking to the other people that are here? And they encouraged really the networking just as much as reading because it, it the networking is so important that you continue to have these relationships with people once Harvard is over and challenges that you might feel that you're going through in your region after you network with someone and, and you you find that you're able to call that person who has actually had some of the same challenges in their region to say, how do you help overcome the challenges that we're having in the region? And I've done that since I've been home. I do think that part of our job as leaders is to spread the word about the good things that are happening in Detroit and Southeast Michigan. So whether it's at Harvard and, and showing p literally pictures of what's going on, if I speak nationally, I've shown pictures of some of the great things that are happening in Detroit. We've encouraged people to come to Detroit. We're hosting our National Association of Regional Councils next um, summer to come to, to Detroit. And we're doing tours and people are excited. They Some people have heard good things are happening and they want to see it. Others still haven't. And so bringing people in and if they aren't coming in, we take it to them and be able to reinforce this region is, is moving forward. And that's the end of our conversation with Brenda Jones, Detroit City Council President. Now here's my conversation with Amy O'Leary and Pat Williams, Canton Township Supervisor. If I could ask you, um, just first off, how you heard about the uh, Kennedy School program for, for senior executives in state and local government? Well, I became aware of the program just by participating in, in SEMCOG itself and being uh, an active and involved member. Uh, but what led me to actually apply for the program was uh, Mayor Wild out of Westland and Chris Barnett out of uh, Orient Township, uh, Supervisor Barnett. Uh, both had gone through the program and they highly recommended it. Uh, 
they they saw a lot of value in terms of how it was able to help them uh, administrate their communities and uh, uh, again just extremely high value and so based on their suggestion I did apply and was very honored to be accepted into the program. Were there any experiences that, that you've had as supervisor of Canton Township that you sort of thought when you talked to Mayor Wild or Supervisor Barnett that you thought, well, in Canton, I, I've sort of you know dealt with this thing, and, and I, I bet that that education would, would be of some value. Both of them shared in terms of the, the logistical and, and mental challenges of the program itself. Uh, by design, Harvard's been putting on this program for state and local leaders for decades. And they kind of jump you through some uh, pretty tough coursework um, every night. There's a couple hours of reading that's required, and then you come in the next day and you have very intensive debates and um, you review case studies and a lot of very lively discussion. Um, so it's by no means a vacation. So Amy, you've been at SunCog for a little while now, and you've seen a lot of our elected leaders from Southeast Michigan apply for this this fellowship and get the chance to go through this program. So what I'd like to ask you is kind of what your expectations were um, as you prepared to, to go to Harvard in, in terms of what you would learn um, that would help you um, as, as one of our staff leaders here at SunCog. I think every single leader that came back from Harvard over the years that we've talked to have really enjoyed the program and have found a lot of value in it. So I was looking forward to it, one, from just experiencing what it is so that we can be good advocates at SEMCOG for the program and understand it and be able to explain it to our local elected officials. At the same time, being able to go to Harvard and go through the leadership program, both personally and for my work at SEMCOG, I thought would be highly useful for me as well. And it definitely was. One of the things I think I've learned the most and taken from that experience is just a deeper appreciation for what we're doing at SEMCOG. And while we met and debated for hours at Harvard on all kinds of different issues, and there were different opinions on everything, it makes you feel and understand how important an organization is like SEMCOG, where we bring people together and try and bridge the issues so that we can move the region forward. So I felt really positive about going, but even more so coming back about what this organization does. What I'm wondering next is if you could share any examples of any challenges that you may have have faced uh, in Canton that that you thought that this program might help you to to tackle going forward. Yes, on a a couple different levels. There was... um uh, immediately when I, when I came back uh, from the program, uh, I wanted to dig into and start addressing the changes in the recycling market, uh, not only nationally but regionally. And so I reached out to um, the Conference of Western Wayne's leadership and asked if we could put together um, a group of mayors and supervisors to begin discussing the impacts to our individual communities. Furthermore, from the class, uh, one of my classmates, Jan Lambert, uh, had actually shared with me some information after the class on uh, programs that they've implemented in his community on recycling and in terms of the change in the, the market itself, education pieces for the residents to ensure that there was less waste in the waste, waste stream. 
And then a little uh, from another different perspective was some of the, the communication tools or processes that were discussed and shared as the group. Um, I immediately came back and I, I asked my directors in Canton Township to to put together on their on their own, based on their life experiences, a I guess a chain of courtesy communications piece on how uh, directors or managers should um, help each other stay in the loop on their different functional areas, as well as a how they would like to see the elected officials communicate with them, uh, being the directors of different functional departments. And uh, they were wildly excited about doing that, and I was able to help them in terms of once they were finalizing the draft to make sure that some of the components of what I had learned in the class could be applied in Canton Township. Great. So each of you has quite a bit of experience in, in leadership. Was there anything that, that you sort of saw with a, a fresh set of eyes uh, through going through this program, Amy? I think one that I've applied and talked to different staff here at SEMCOG about is the idea of groupthink. And I think as leaders, sometimes we get so busy on a lot of different topics that we sit in a meeting and the topic is brought up and we're the first ones to respond and give our opinions. And one of the things we talked about in the sessions at Harvard was that to get the best out of your staff and others is that you need to hear from them and that the first person to speak is what everything's going to be focused and coming off of from there on. So they gave us some different ideas of how to avoid groupthink so that we're sure to hear all the opinions that need to be heard and that we're truly being collaborative and inclusive in the work that we're doing. So I think that has was really helpful as a leader and something we're going to try and keep doing here. The decision-making matrix uh, that Professor DeYoung did share with us, uh, what, it, what it does is it slows you down and forces you to include or try to include a diversity of opinions in the significant decisions you're making. And the, and the more individuals that you involve in that process, Many times it will not only improve the quality of the decisions that are being made, but it'll help you with buy-in and acceptance of whatever initiatives that you may be introducing based on the decisions that are made from those, those processes. So uh, very useful. Now, there are a lot of, as, as I mentioned, different, different types of folks who, who participate in, in this program. And I'm wondering what you learned about, about building lasting relationships um, that enable you to overcome not just one issue, but per, perhaps to pave the way for continued success. I think, you know, that recycling issue could be a really good example because, you know, the kind of figuring out what's going on with that today, you know, hopefully in the future could could create opportunities for, for other issues as they arise. Well, I think one of the important things we learned was needing to take the time to build the relationships ASAP because you'll use those relationships on all kinds of topics as you move forward. And we did one exercise, and we can talk about how we were out on an island on a Saturday. And one of the exercises, it was just very simple, but we had to walk past each other, and there's about 70 of us in a big circle, and just kind of walk past each other. And the kind of the intention they made it sound like was as fast as you could. So you went across as fast as you could. You didn't make eye contact. You didn't do anything. And then they asked, how did you feel about that? And 
you felt kind of negative and bad. It was all about the race. And so then they said, okay, now I want you to go by and you need to say in about as much speed as before, say hi to a bunch of people. And we did that and we said, and then they asked, well, now how do you feel? And you felt much more connected to people. And so it was just a really quick and easy lesson of the importance of being able to connect and take the time to connect and build relationships with your staff, with other stakeholders, because no matter what the topic is, um, having that trust and understanding and seeing each other as people instead of just as the topic that you're working on is really important. Mm -hmm. Well, the same uh, ties into the outward bound experience that we had out of Thompson Island is the Again, by design, the program directors ensure that there's a diversity of opinion in the room. There was a very diverse range of opinions on some very, I call them third rail or hot topic issues in the room, and it was not by mistake. They made sure that individuals from every portion of the political spectrum were represented and then they ensured that we would get into heated discussions and debates, kind of drove us or led us into that process to help each other understand the, the range of opinions and ideas and how we don't always have all the information. We did that for a full week. Can you imagine being in a room full of people where there'd be individuals who you would agree with and then other individuals that outside of be having to work with, you normally probably wouldn't because of your philosophical views of the, how the world should be. So we spent a week arguing with each other, debating. I'm being a little melodramatic. Uh, we got intense at moments. And then we went out to Thompson Island for this outward bound experience. Now, all the preconceived notions that we had built for an entire week had to be thrown out the window because in order to succeed with these team building exercises, you had to work with one another. You had to rely on your partners in that group. And so we got done with, after a week of debating with each other, now we're the best, best friends in the world, best buddies that, you know, we will be lifelong friends. And then I kind of felt like we spent the next two weeks of the program debating with the professors as a group, which is kind of interesting. Right. It's not a mistake how Harvard sets this up, that you debate, argue for a week. Then you get to know each other on a more personal basis, so then you can see how in the final two weeks of the program, you're still debating, but you're doing it in a much more collegial way, trying to focus on solutions than just debating the issues and trying to make sure you're the loudest voice and that your point is right and needs to be heard. Yes, I, I, my, my takeaway, probably one of the most significant, is when you're working with in difficult arenas or spaces, you need to find the common ground in order to have success in whatever the outcomes are that you're trying to achieve. So I think that's one of the really great things about an, an educational setting you know, you mentioned the, the word collegial, Amy, and I think that, you know, being, being in that environment, knowing that people have, have different points of view, you, you still have the common ground of you're all there together to learn and sort of grow through that experience to become, you know, better versions of um, whatever it is that, that you do when you go back home. So what I'm wondering is, did, did that experience give you any ideas on how to, to build those bridges when you are back home and, and how to create you know, better understanding with folks that, that you might have disagreement with and, and see them less as roadblocks and a little bit more as partners um, with whom you're, you're going to create solutions. I'll start out. There was the strategic triangle, which was how we approach a day-to-day -day business, 
whether it be simple items or very complex issues. And I discovered something about myself that I tend to be more in the uh, who has jurisdiction, do I have the authority. I tend to focus more on how to execute and the execution and less about the public value, which is an absolutely key component in that. So in order for me to improve the decisions that I'm making for the community or with the community, I have to make sure those voices, other voices that I'm not real strong in, are represented in the conversation. Right. And so the strategic triangle looked at one part was what's the public value and what's the mission fit for your organization. Um, The other was do you have the authority or the support of those in authority to take on the initiative? And the third is, do you have the capacity or the operational capacity to fulfill what this new initiative and, and is? funding. Right. So like the funding, I found going back to that, those are things that as we've done our jobs in the past, of course, we've thought about those things. But like Pat said, sometimes you might have more of a propensity to go towards one versus the other. You know, oh, I'm more of a finance person. I want to make sure the money's there. I'm more of into the other issues I need to make sure I have the authority to do it. And it really showed how it's all three things working together because if any of them are out of sync, your chance of being successful is a lot less. Absolutely. Okay, before um, we have to let the two of you go, I'd like to hear from each of you how you think um, this experience will will benefit your community and the rest, and obviously for Amy, the the full region of SEMCOG. Okay, well, I'll go first and then allow uh, Amy to close up from a SEMCOG perspective. From a very personal perspective, uh, I walked away from the program uh, with a lot of ideas uh, and strategies, not only to improve who I am as a human being, but also to be a better manager and help me uh, do a better job in terms of running the day-to-day operations in the community. Um, A lot of my notes, tend to look cliche-ish after the fact. You know, look before you leap, try to understand or gain a deeper understanding uh, before you react. Uh, these are simple common sense things that we all tend to forget about when we're in the heat of the moment. So try to slow down, get a deeper understanding, look for common ground to help bring parties to g- together who normally wouldn't work together. Um, and also there's always the rest of the story you may think you have all the information um, but we have to gather or gain as more if we can when we were provided the opportunity and just do the best with what we've got to me i would say going back to what i said at the beginning i think it helped me validate the importance of this organization at semcog but also just the important role that elected officials play and the need for collaboration and working together to be able to move the region forward. This was, as they called it at Harvard, an ecosystem of differing opinions from, as Pat mentioned, all over the political spectrum and and geographic and everything else. It was a petri dish to show us in our region, you are making progress in this region and SEMCOG does help move the needle to make progress in our region but it doesn't always have to be giant leaps all the time because when you're bringing people together from all these different viewpoints often it's okay and you need to focus on where are those steps that we do agree and we can continue to make progress and move forward 
So I think it helped validate that we are in the right direction in the right place here. Okay, well, thank you, Pat, so much for for joining us for this conversation. Um, And we will look forward to seeing uh, all the great things that happen in Canton. You're welcome, Trevor. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. Thank you, Amy. This has been SEMCOG's Region Ahead. Thank you for joining us as we consider the important issues that affect Southeast Michigan. You can learn more about the Taubman Fellowship Program and other things SEMCOG is doing at SEMCOG.org. Thanks again to Brenda Jones, Amy O'Leary, and Pat Williams for joining us today.